Welcome to the New Zealand Property Management Podcast, brought to you by RealIQ. Here is your host, Debbie Faulkner. As the property management industry starts to get back onto the road again, we carried out our final wine time of the lockdown. In our final wine time, we caught up with the remarkable Shadi Salapor from The Rent Shop. Shadi has an extensive background in property management, over two decades of experience. But that's only part of the story. Her remarkable journey to New Zealand, you have to listen to believe. We catch up with Shadi for a glass of bubbles. Anyway, Shadi, a little bit about you. So, you know, as you can see, the way you're dressed, uh, it's not your typical uh, property management costume. Um, Not really. No, you're quite quite the extrovert, as we can see. How did you end up, because you're not actually from New Zealand, are you? Where are you from? I, I'm originally from uh, Kurdistan, and a lot of people don't know where Kurdistan is. Kurdistan is in the Middle East, um, specifically from the Iran side of Kurdistan. We, My people date back to ancient times when the greatest city on the world, in the world was the Persian Empire, so that they are my, my background. And a more recent history, uh, the Kurds are four, there was 40 million of us and we are scattered between four different countries without an independent state mm-hmm. in uh, Turkey, Syria um, and in Iraq there's a need to be independent there's a need to um, have their own state but where I come from in the Iran side of uh, Kurdistan, um, we don't have that same desire, that same need, because from the ancient times, the Persian Empire and the kings um, were successful in conquering and um, owning that part of the world is because they allow people to be who they are. They allow people to dress and speak in the language that they want and um, worship whatever God yeah. they wanted. Whereas in other parts like Iraq, Syria and Turkey, they, they're not allowed to do that. So that's where most of the uprising and the conflict because, is um, yeah. where I come from. Yeah, because a lot of people won't realise that actually, if you look on the map, you will not see Kurdistan, will you? It, it, it's But there's a lot of people, a lot of Kurds, want their own independent yeah. state. And um, they kind of got a bit of a rum deal, rough deal after the, the Iraq war, didn't they? My understanding, look at the history, you'd be able to tell me if I was right or wrong. It, that would be correct. The, there's never been peace in the Middle East. Um, the, the Iraq and Iran war lasted for about eight years. And um, after that, we had the Gulf War where Saddam invaded Kuwait. Now, I'm a product of that side, that war. I remember um, we were running away um, from uh, everything that was collapsing around us and our nights were were lit by bullets and um, just, um, you know, war around us. Mm. So we had to escape and we ended up in Turkey illegally. So how long ago ago was this, Shadi? Can you give us a bit of a time frame around this when this actually was going uh, on? 1991 was the Gulf War. This was uh, 1993 when I arrived in New Zealand. So between when I was apparently born, 1980, 1981, or 84. Wait, 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 wait. Just stop there, stop there. When you were apparently born. Yeah, yeah. 
my I come like I'm a nomadic person. We look after sheep and goats on the mountains. We went by the by the way the stars lit and the moon, the shape of the moon. So my parents never ever recorded my birth and said, okay, you were born at this date and this time. It was just in the middle of winter some years and years ago. So, and that's all I've got to go by. And um, yeah, so... So you don't know your birthday? <laughs> no idea, no idea. So it could be today, guys, let's drink more. <laughs> So you don't yeah. know your... Do you know how old you are? I mean, this is these are the questions you don't ask women when you're a bloke. But you don't yeah. have to tell... Just answer yes or no. Do you know how old you are? No. No. No idea. I, I'm, legal. I'm legal, though. Right. I'm a, you know, I'm allowed to drink, so that's about it. Yeah, well, we know you're allowed to drink. God, yeah. Someone's saying to me, are you going to a ball? I think that's uh, one of your colleagues there. You know, Are you going to a ball tonight? Oh. Have you got anything... Look, I haven't had the opportunity to really dress up all this last five weeks. I've been working really hard, and and I thought today, you know what? I've had this great top that's been collecting dust in our in the wardrobe upstairs. I thought, you know what? I'm going to put it on tonight, and um, that's what I do on Fridays as well. Most people go to work dressed casually. I go to work dressed dressed up. You know, wear your nice heels. There's no point having them in your wardrobe in the boxes collecting dust. Enjoy enjoy working hard and spend it on the things that yeah, that um, make you happy. So it's one of those days for me, Friday, a dress up day, just in case I end up in town as Just well. in case you end up in not town. Yeah. yeah, not outside Burger Fuel, hopefully, with all that uh, social distancing not going on there. All right. Yeah, so, so you know, you, coming to New Zealand, so go back to when you were saying that, you know, you, were, you got over to Turkey, and then how did you get to New Zealand from Turkey? In Turkey, we were at United Nations, and at United Nations, what you what will happen then? You get different countries interviewing you as a family and decide whether they want to take you to their country. So we had we stayed in Turkey for two and a half years, and that was a really hard time for my parents. I know, I know, my dad worked really, really hard, and I know. Um, it wouldn't have been easy for them, but I would have been a bit younger to understand the turmoil that we were in. So then a New Zealand representative interviewed my parents and um, then we were decided, it, it was decided that we come to New Zealand. So we arrived in October uh, uh, 12, 1993, and that, that is the most definite date I have yeah. that... Uh, I can relate things to that. I'm certain of that's the date do we you, arrived in New Zealand. Do you, do, you do you remember that? You I remember arriving in New Zealand. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I remember arriving in New Zealand in Papakura, where my parents still are. When we came here, they felt um, they were, you know, they they were settled in Papakura and they are still there. Yeah. We came with absolutely nothing. We were looking for twenty cents. Um, you know, through the ca the couch, the sofa dividers trying to buy a loaf of bread this is like back in the days 20 yeah. what, 27 six years ago and now they've got their own home from housing new zealand to their own home and the children and myself we can actually help them move into a better area a bigger house what have you but because they settle there in that home in Papakura, they know the local dairy, they know the local uh, um, school, 
they don't want to move anywhere else. That's that's become their new world, and yeah. and they love it there. Yeah, I mean, so really, what we're dealing with now, I won't say it's a walk in the park, but you're probably quite resilient with the upbringing that you've had and 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 being brought up uh, the way you have. You, you you've probably got quite a bit of resolve and a bit of inner steel about you, haven't you? Definitely. I think um, my environment always changed around me from an early age, you know, running away from war, living in caves and in mountains and having to be on the move all the time, surviving all the time. So you you adapt to that environment and you know you have to survive. So the best thing you can do for yourself, okay, what am I going to do here? How am I going to get out of this? Roll up your sleeve and just get on with it rather than... Uh, curling up under the table or um, hiding behind hiding. It, it, it is um, it is a nature that's inbuilt inbuilt within me, and I think it's one of the things that makes me a good property manager because when I get a landlord that's not very happy or a tenant that's not very happy or I get the odd tenant that is a bit rude or um, how do I say this? It's it's, it's, it's un, you know yeah. say things that could hurt yeah. the average person. For me, it's just like, oh, okay, it's not, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt at all because I know things could be worse. I've seen it myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fascinating. Okay. Fascinating. Yeah. Have you ever had the desire, have you ever been back to uh, Iran or Kurdistan around where you were brought? So have you ever had the opportunity to go back and would you want to go back? I would love to go back. My, my most um, innocent and colourful memories are of when I was there. I would have been maybe five, six or seven, uh, just being in the wilderness, um, mountains, and having uh, my uh, pet goat, uh, the cows and uh, flowers, and just um, an innocence we are can't be replicated here it, it was different and they are my beautiful memories that I hold very close to my heart and I keep in touch with some of my cousins and they send me pictures of the places that I used to be at and that has inspired me to um, write a book about it one day right. I'm actually working on it and hopefully I will get this sorted in the next 18 months if not two years um, and I do want to go back but until um, recently that wasn't possible when you become a refugee in another country it means that where you come from is uh, isn't supportive or is danger it's, it's you're endangering your life to go back there but um somehow that with um through my sister they found a way where i can gain a passport to go back into iran and um visit where i come from so yeah. i would love to and it is on my agenda to visit I'm one sure, day i'm sure i'm sure you'll do i'm sure you'll do and if jeff lovegrove is watching out there who knows you may have a rent shop in tehran or somewhere like that oh you know? my god <laughs> it's like in the middle of nowhere it's yeah. only like 10 years ago they, they got to know what electricity was prior to that we didn't have electricity. We had these uh, kerosene lamps. Okay. And, yeah. Well, maybe there's I an op- maybe there's an opportunity for Kelly Munro and Fast Connect as well. You know, who knows? So. Uh, Absolutely. So, yeah. so anyway, how did you get into how did you get into property management? Uh, how did I get into property management? Oh, um, it would have been late nineties, maybe ninety seven, ninety nine. I was an assistant to a property manager and how I found that job, it was back when ACC offices were still there and you could walk in. 
I saw a little pamphlet on the on the wall, and it was wanted a receptionist or assistant to a property manager. So I got the assistant of a property manager, and the job entailed me doing the you know picking up keys and um, shoving a house, but. Uh, or doing the banking, and the banking was just taking the you know bunch of money to, in a bag, taking yep. it to the local bank, depositing it, and come back. So just simple stuff, simple stuff. And then one day, that property manager was away. I don't know why she was away. I think it was a house scare or whatever. And then suddenly, it was Shadi in charge. Shadi was in charge of running a department of in charge of um, owners and tenants. And I just basically just picked it up. I said, I, I can do this. And I remember going to um, a house and uh, a Rush Green Avenue. You can't forget the... You know, oh, you can't. Yeah, yeah. Moment. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I rented it out to a family and um, they had just come to New Zealand. They'd been looking for a while. They loved the house and they loved my service and I gave them the house and they were so thankful. They appreciated what I did. And I got addicted to that feeling of helping other people. Yeah. I got addicted to helping them finding a house. That that feeling still exists today, 26 yeah, yeah. years later. Yeah. It's still there. It's still and, and that's what you know drives me, the ability, the power to be able to house and up house a, a tenant that's been looking for a while that phone call you make them you make to them hey you've got the house or ringing the owner and saying hey look i found you great tenants so um the other thing with that david though what's hap- what what was happening then i feel it's still happening today and that is you know property managers i've seen it with my eyes where they start with a with a new company um the bosses the manager hands the property manager a um a phone a computer and it's like here you you know they throw you in the deep end what um some people some business owners perhaps don't realize is that what they've just handed over is the business asset a minimum of a million dollar asset or half a million or million dollar asset and that particular property manager hasn't had the training hasn't had the 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 experience the skills that's needed to be running that asset so i think um you know going forward in our industry it'll be good that we have a rule where hey before you join us before you come on board before we can call your property manager um go and do a course you know go and do one with david or go and do one with the real estate institute to get your skills ready because what was happening 24 years ago is still happening now. Oh, it's, um, it is. Yeah, it is, it is. I do wish they're changing. I, I, it's, it is getting better. So, what are the, I mean, look, listen, guys, you know, you've got your question bar. So, I'll explain to you again, you've got your question bar there. If you've got any questions that you want to type in that you want to ask, we'll read them out to Shadi. We'll just keep talking until we get enough questions, then we'll start firing away. Um, so, I mean, how's it changed from the early days in terms of you know i mean obviously we've seen such in huge strides in technology and whatever how's the basics has the basics of the job changed shadi or is it still fundamentally the same from when you first started i think i don't believe the basics of the jobs have changed um the basics of the job it uh, we're dealing not, we, we don't manage houses, we manage people. If it was just a house, it'll be easy. You visit it once a year, it's still the same, it doesn't move, it's it's there. But we're dealing with, we're managing people, we're dealing with people's assets, we're dealing with uh, tenants' livelihood. And uh, as long as 
we're dealing with people and um, things change all the time with um, with tenants with owners and um, the, the need to be able to help these people is is still there and that hasn't changed um, my clients is don't come into don't, don't go into property investment for just fun of it they are there for a reason they are there because it's their future it's their nest egg um, their retirement and so um, I, I need to understand what those needs are to be able to assist them the best yeah. way I can. And I feel that the only way I can assist my landlords here is to also be able to look after my tenants because they are our customers. A lot of people and a lot of um, property managers, perhaps even private landlords, don't put enough emphasis on the customer. My customers, bloody hell, they're my tenants. They yeah. are the people that live in the house. So they need to be looked after. Yeah. And I, I believe I'm, I'm, a, you know, I'm one of those that does look after them. I'm socially conscious of what they are going through at this time or any other time. And um, I try and help them as much as I can. So when things don't work out, then they don't come for your throat. They don't go after the landlord for, million, for thousands of dollars because they've had a good relationship with you. Hey, look, we've made a mistake or this didn't go your way. Um, let's, um, you know, come to an agreement. And this happens to me all the time. It's um, And your relationship with your tenant starts from the moment they move into that house. When they walk in and that light bulb is not working, that's, that's your relationship with your tenant. So they will ignore that. And then something else happens and you, you as a property manager ignore that and ignore it again. It and you know what? Yeah, builds yeah. up and yeah. then they'll snap. So pay attention to the little little things. It's the, the little things important. when they're moving. Yeah, you know, one of the things I've always felt with our industry and I think that we, we just don't get it right is when a tenant moves in and I've experienced this in real estate, you know, the tenant moves in and then that's it until three months down the road and we're doing a bloody inspection. I, I'm big one believing in like, give them a call a week after they've moved in and just, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. I love you for it. Yes. It's like when you, it's yeah. like, uh, what, did you not get my rent? No, it's, I'm just calling to say hi and checking in to see how you are doing yeah. today. Yeah. And they appreciate it. They really appreciate it. And this is what you need to do. Every property manager needs to do that. So, and, so yeah. what are the key things that you think going through this crisis that we've been through and hopefully now we're, we've, we've kind of in a global sense it looks like we've dodged a bit of a bullet to a degree but fingers crossed we'll get there what are the things that you think that we've learned going through this in terms of dealing with tenants dealing with landlords because we have been forced haven't we to to pick up the bloody phone yeah um one thing i've learned that when we have a pandemic like this when the country has come to a, a, a halt like it did. It, it ended that people were people. It didn't matter whether you're a landlord or a tenant, you, are, you were a person. Mm. And what I saw is with my landlords and my tenants, they both came to the party. They both understood each other. We were all in the same boat. Yeah. And my, the, the, the reaction I got from my tenants wasn't like, oh, I'm the tenant and I've got all the rights and yeah. I do whatever the heck I want. It was like, how can we help as well? My owners, I've, I've got some of them buying vouchers for their tenants. Yeah. They're like, how can we help as well? We forgot our titles. We forgot our 
uh, who we are. We just you know, became. Yeah, you know, Shadi, every, you know, all the companies I've spoken to, like from the south to the north or whatever, what I've got from this is that there's been this cooperation from, there's always going to be a small percentage that don't play ball. And there's going to yeah, be some landlords yeah. which they can't afford to have rent reductions because they may have lost a job. Uh, and this is That's where right. it's so individualistic where you've got to look at every scenario case by case. But overall, I think yeah. the goodwill from both sides has been very, very evident. I mean, did you see the survey from Renters United that got released yesterday about, you know, did you see any of that at all? I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, well worth having yeah, a look. I was, waiting, I was waiting for you to publish so I can oh. see it. <laughs> yeah, well, look, I mean, I've read through it. I actually talked to Renters United now and again because I think it's important that you've, you've got to listen to both sides because sometimes they, I, I they actually come up with some good ideas, but Harry yeah. thinks they've got a little bit, there's a little bit of a far-left extreme political element about them, which is just, it goes too far. But anyway, you know, and they've kind of said that a lot of tenants are living in fear through this. Well, landlords the same. Anyway, we've got a ruck of questions coming through here, Shardy. Um, so, yeah, yeah, we've got a ruck of questions coming through on here. Someone's asking you for a date. Um, but, you know, oh God, really? yeah, yeah, someone's asking you for a date. Uh, they live in Invercargill, but we'll see if we can get you down there. <laughs> Listen, it'll be like Kurdistan with the goats and living in the hills and the remote parts and things like that. It'll be, it'll be, you know, it'll be similarities around it. Anyway, Shadi, uh, can you tell me what values you look for in an employer now or in the future? What would be the four key values that are important to you? She's just, you she's know, just, like, she's just left. She's just left. She's just, she heard that. She's gone. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it, it isn't like we can make money just like that. As long as our eyes are open, we can make money. Money is easy to make. Um, that's not the main part of why I would work for a, um, a company, but it's nice to be rewarded as well. Yeah. Um, another thing I would say, an employer that puts emphasis on emphasis on recognition, they recognize your, um, your achievements and they celebrate it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm one of those property managers that I'm really proud of what I do. And I blow my own trumpet and people get sick of it. <laughs> I don't care. You know, you, you, if you've got a nice car, you drive it, you show it off. You know, I'm good at this, I'm going to show it off. And my employer should 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 do the same thing with me. So, Shadi is great in this area, 
let's celebrate Shadi or is there, um, is there a risk though, Shadi, if we do that? So I'll just, you know, if we do that yeah. and we put somebody on a pedestal, is there a risk that you create almost like a tall poppy scenario within the team and the team may go, well, bloody hell, and then you're building bigger than... And I had an excellent manager called Tim Morden at Property Brokers and he his philosophy was, you know, you've got your top performers, you've got to massage their ego, but you don't really need to manage them. They'll manage themselves. It's those middle performers and the lower performers that you've really got to look after in future. Yeah, but everybody is different. My my strengths are different to somebody else in the office. So if an employer found out what your love language is, what you appreciate, and they celebrated each individual yeah. person within the company, then there, there won't be no tall poppy syndrome. It, it, everybody will, it's like, you're good at this, Shadi's good at this, um, David is good at this. I, I don't think it will create... Uh, you know, untoward yeah. feelings or uneasy feelings within the company. Right. I think, and we need to have a we need to have a drive for what we do. We need to love what we do, and um, it comes back to when everybody getting a certificate for participation. We're, we're not about that. No. I don't want to get a certificate for participation. I want to get a certificate. I want to get an award because I'm I'm good at what I do. Oh, you've done the belt, yeah, and yeah, all about that. It, Get that completely. Other question coming in here now, Shadi. Uh, this is from Jason. Shadi, how do you see rental demand pre-lockdown, or meant, I think he's meant to say post-lockdown, and also uh, how has it been now that level three and people have got the ability to move? So the question, uh, breaking it down, how do you see demand in the future? What do you think is going to happen? And are you seeing, now that you've had your first week of operating in level three, are you seeing a lot of, uh, are you seeing a lot of tenants inquiry, a lot of tenant movement? Yeah, the housing is a, a commodity that's always needed and housing is a commodity you can't replicate and the arrival of COVID-19 hasn't changed the supposed housing shortage we have. So there will always be a need for housing. The level of inquiry has picked up. Um, in the last couple of weeks, I have personally have rented three properties, sight unseen, two sight people unseen. that have moved, actually they moved in today because they were allowed to move. Yeah. So in short, demand for a high quality, uh, good property, well located will always be there. So I, I, I think that the, the demand will always be there for what, properties. What, what about, I mean, I've always felt that where the demand is, is around like that three-bedroom quality housing. If it gets, if it's the real top end, like Remy, where $1,000 a week, we may not see those properties shifting as much now because there's a smaller percentage of people who can afford to pay that rent um, in, in this current environment. When you say you're doing the sight unseen, how does that work? Are, they, are you just giving them a few, you know, sending them some photographs? Are you doing online viewings? Are you doing video tours? What are you doing to get these properties shifted? Um, our, our company was very proactive as soon as the, the, the lockdowns were being announced. Um, our admin team, Helen and Adriana, and everybody in the background, yeah. it's like, okay, we, we are gonna go into lockdown, guys, go and video your properties that are currently vacant. So 
I I went and did that. I videoed the properties and put them on our YouTube channel, yeah. and that link is in our trade trade me advertisement, yeah. so tenants could see that. So I would look on our viewing tracker to see how many people are interested in the property. I go through the applications. Okay, this application looks great. I'm going to give them a call, send them the link, and see if they are interested in signing up for the property without them physically having to go onto the property. Right. And of course. That's that's how I did it. I've lived three properties, so that's yeah. pretty good for uh, for a time where I wasn't able to physically show them the property. Yeah. And two of them have messaged me today, and they love the house. Yeah, they yeah. they're like, "Honey, we won't let you down because um, I've rented these property out." Out, uh, on the basis of just the credit checks and phone conversations, not a face-to-face um, uh, yeah, yeah, meeting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. They were a bit nervous because they don't know what they are going, what they've signed up for. And the same thing with me. It's it's different when you see people face-to-face and doing it all online. Are we going to see some things adapt from this lockdown? that we're going to just see become like mainstream. I mean, some of the things I think when I, when I look at this is like the whole tenancy selection process could get flipped on the head, particularly if we can only do two viewings a day with two people in an extended bubble, which means you're just not going to get the... You can't get the capacity of people through the property anymore. So is it going to be, you know, what could change there? How could that adapt? I think uh, when I was a salesperson for like six months years ago, um, we had to qualify the the buyers before we wasted our time and going onto the property. So I would apply the same rule here and qualify the tenant. Um, Look through their application, look through, um, pick up the phone, phone them and say, hey, do you know where the property is? Do you know what the street is? Does it suit your needs? Maybe you've gone to a drive-by. If you really want to see it, then I can organize the viewing for you. So it's come to a point where we're doing the work ahead instead of after the viewing. Right, so you're doing the the selection first. This is something I've worked on with with Renty a little bit, and I've always had the philosophy, we've got it the wrong, we've always had it the wrong way around. The, you know, the tenant should almost apply, and then we go, yeah, you're approved, go and pick a property, and this is your budget. That's kind of a philosophy I take a a look at. We've got some great questions coming in here. Um, How many properties? Yeah, just have a sip. Have a sip. You just have a sip. Have a sip. You wouldn't believe that this lady at one o'clock this afternoon was so nervous about this. You know, you wouldn't think it's. Yeah. You know. Anyway, uh, how many properties are you looking after, Shadi? Just out of interest. uh... Um, I don't know. Do you think it's a? It's it's like asking how old I am, but you've already asked that. Yeah, I have. Uh, (laughs) Um. All right. Let me give you the range. Is it over one hundred and fifty? Oh, absolutely. Is it under 200? Slightly. Yeah, yeah, so there you go. We've got a guy there. How do you cope with, with managing? So the question here we've got is, please can you tell me how you've coped with your portfolio through the COVID-19? What have you done differently from your normal day-to-day functions? And what are, what areas have you really focused on? What, what's been the areas of emphasis? That's a great question. Mm, so what areas I've focused on? Uh, that... First of all, the first area I focused on uh, was the owners. Because um, you've got these owners, they've got these investment properties, they are these assets, and they are 
that's been placed in my care. It's like babysitting somebody else's children. So my first area was to ring the landlords and say, hey, we are in lockdown. I'm going to be working from home. I'd like to reassure you that I've got my computer. I've got my phone. Your tenants can still contact me. And they will still... Um, you know, business as usual for the owners. And then I assure them that, okay, next thing I'm doing is that I'm going to be ringing your tenant personally and ask them how their situation is and I'm going to be keeping in touch with them. So basically it was uh, focusing on people's needs at the moment. People's needs change and I need to be in front of those changes all the time and be aware of them. I need to be proactive about the needs, not... After, yeah. is it? Yeah, no, no. Any tenants, any tenants that you've found that you you felt that were probably trying to pull a fastie, saying, "Oh, yeah, we can't afford the rent." Have just thought, have have you had any experience with that? Uh, when I phoned the tenants, I um, armed myself with all the information I needed, and um, our uh, credit control team, uh, Kelly and uh, Sunil, went and found out every bank that is open what time they are open yeah so i knew that i made the list of the banks i also knew what the government uh, assistant was so if you're working full-time what amount you are getting if you're working part-time what amount you are getting so when i picked up that phone talked to my tenant and they gave me the excuse oh i'm i'm not at work i can't afford the rent but okay tell me about your employer what their names are, and um, you should be getting this amount, your rent is this amount, so why can't you afford the rent? And they're like, oh, okay. So um, I gave them the information. I, I told them that actually what you're telling me is not true, so the truth is that you can afford to pay the rent. Yeah. And um, that way, I s- sort of got in there before they came to me. Yeah. And also, a large percentage of my tenants, David, and I wouldn't be surprised if this is a thing across other property managers and, and um, tenants, they really believe they don't have to pay rent, that the rents were frozen. Yeah. And I... Yeah, misinformation. Yeah. Yeah. Or I had one tenant that said, but the owner can take a mortgage holiday. Yeah. And I said, know how much it costs for this owner to take a holiday on that property. And by the way, he doesn't qualify because he's an investor. He's not a um, a home uh, owner. He doesn't live in that property. It doesn't work. And it's like, oh, okay. Then they they, they really realize the situation that the owner is in and the paramount of paying So you think that some of them may have had a misconception that these landlords are just like swimming in bowls of money and they can afford you know things like that yeah. listen we've got some more questions we've got a heap of questions which have come in um, which is great because I don't have to think of questions to ask you anymore which is wonderful uh, this okay, is a this, this, this is a really good question uh, how do you have a work life balance and still give 100% in your role as I know you have two teenage boys and a very active life um, that's a good question how do you how does Shardy keep control do all of this and I've met your boys two wonderful boys two wonderful boys and uh, how do you how do you get it all in kilter uh, focus so focus when I'm at work uh, I'm, I'm, I'm working it's uh, not fluff around so I, I go to the office to actually do work and because I know when I come home 
there's other tasks at hand that I have to attend to. So uh, don't waste your time. Every 10 minutes of your time is, is you know, don't, don't waste that. I am very uh, religious when it comes to my time and who I spend it with. Yeah. So I spend 20 minutes, 30 minutes at the end of each day making a list of where I am the next day. This way, I don't arrive at the office at 9, 8.30, 9 o'clock, what should I be doing today? By the time most property managers go out and get their keys and their paperwork, I've done 80% of the job because I know I have priorities and I need to be home you, with my children So do you, well. do, you, do you think, can I just stop you there? Do you think, and, I, and I'm actually finding this, and, and I tell you what, I, I'm, a lot of people I'm talking to, even my neighbour, you know, they're saying, like, I'm getting so much more work done at home because I'm not getting the distractions. Are we going to see habits now change in the long term where we're not going to be so dependent and tied to the office where bosses are going to say, look, work from home because I can see you're more productive. Is that a possibility that, that could happen? That people work from home? More, um, yeah. I think so, I think so. And um, uh, I, we've talked with our office that, you know, maybe one day a week we can work from home. What would you want to do? Um, Say we're back to normal. Say we're back to normal. What would you want to do? Yeah. How would you prefer? How would you run it? It's a shardy show. Um, I, I still think I, I, I'll do what I do. And I've always had, like, for example, my Fridays where I arrive at the office a bit later because I, you know, wake up a bit earlier, clean the house and so that I could, you know, come back to home, to a clean home. Yeah. So I would answer a few phone calls, do a few emails and keep keep Friday for for just the fluffy part of of the things that I need to do, no appointments, um, lunches with owners. So I was still, I don't think I would change a lot, but our, um, our company has been flexible. The wind shop have, have been flexible where if you didn't feel like going into work, you know what, that's fine, Shadi, you do it at home. The, you know, the, there's a lot of trust put in us. So Because um, it's easy I, to see. It's easy to see how property managers performing, isn't it, really? I mean, you know, you just go onto the portfolio summaries and things like that. You can see whether they're ticking all the boxes. So it's not hard to, to, to make. It is a great question because, I mean, I didn't realise that you've been doing a property management for so long, Shadi. I didn't realise you've been doing this for over 20 years. Um, what motivates you and what keeps you, what, what keeps you learning and what keeps you so passionate? Oh, man. Um, I like to buy nice things. Um <laughs> Yeah, and like I um, mentioned before, that, um, that 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 service that I provided for that family that went to the property in Papakura, um, how I made them feel. So that motivates me. It's, it's still a great feeling when I tell a tenant, "Hey, your application has been approved," or uh, approved, or I speak to an owner and tell them I found them great tenants. My last owner um, that I uh, rented this property for, I did a little video of me with, you know, a piece of paper ripped up and I just chucked it and videoed that. And I said, who needs paper when you can let your property online? Yeah. And and he loved that message. Um, so I took a few little different things yeah, like yeah, that yeah, just to keep that. I mean, because you are, let's be honest, you're a bit of an extrovert, aren't you? I mean, we can see that from your social media posts. You've used social media, though, very, very well. I don't know if it's been a strategy or it's just, you know, something that you enjoy doing. Definitely. What are the things things that you've found on social media that have worked for you? Um, 
what's that? What? what sorry, the, say that again. So, what are the what are the things that you've done on social media which have worked for, say, like Branchardi and, and giving you that profile? What's worked? What's worked? Yes. I think what's worked is being me, being human, being and and engaging with people. People when they comment, you know, go back to them and answer them. So, I am lucky that my um, social media. Uh, followers aren't at numbers where I can't manage it and um, I can actually dedicate a bit of time to reply to those people so engaging with every single person that's engaging with you give them that love back so that's what's worked for me I've read a couple of your blogs I have to say Shadi they're very good um, what what got you into writing what got you into doing blogs I've always enjoyed writing and and because I love what I do, I, I've always had this desire to express myself. And also, I hope that other property managers out there can read a blog or can get an idea from me and use it because I've always thought that my competition in our industry isn't a property manager that's doing a great job, but it's a property manager that's doing an average job. So I hope that with what I share, with what I put out there, that somebody pick it up and says, you know what, that's a great idea, I'm going to use it. And, you know, that combined can maybe uplift the standard that we strive for. Yeah. I know what it's like with people with, because the kids take the, the mickey out of me saying that my ego's off the, off the roof, and I'm lucky I've got a bloody super wife who's, keeps me nice and grounded or I like to think she keeps me nice and grounded I know how difficult it can be when you're quite an extrovert and, and you're dealing with you know so in terms of rejection or in terms of making mistakes getting things wrong you know how do you deal when someone you know criticises you or you get a landlord who complains or, or you may have you know dispute in the workplace how do you deal with that internally um I have now to throw my toys out of the cot several times, and I think you've been a witness to one of those incidents. Uh, I look from the outside; our job looks so easy. It, it looks so easy, but it isn't. You know, it's not easy. I've had times where I've pulled into the garage and I've stayed in the car in the garage, and I've given myself five minutes of letting my tears down and letting just crying my eyes out, and. Um, and it's normal because we are humans and we do get hurt. And um, with the people that I work with, it's like being in a relationship with them. They they see me all the time. And it's okay for once in a, you know, once in a while that, uh, that I do get upset, that I do make a mistake. If I have made mistakes within my with, within my work and my employer, I, I know I've got the support. I know that they will pick me up again, and and that's you know another good thing. Being with where I am with the wind shop, yeah. is I've I've made a mistake. Look, I'm not perfect. I, I I have made mistakes, but it is those mistakes that I have made in the past that form the foundation of me being a, a better property manager. Right, and I. I Admit I do make mistakes. So this is um, good because it leads me into a very good question and I think it's from one of your colleagues. Um, it starts off, let's spice things up. So that's interesting. So just weird. What's the most embarrassing thing that has happened to you as a property manager? Oh, 
with work oh god the most embarrassing thing oh sh- oh my god I, you nearly I swore though shardy <laughs> i once okay should i be honest be honest be honest it's friday we're having drinks <laughs> this is going to be recorded as a podcast this is going to go all over the world so you know no pressure i once by mistake sent a photo of myself inappropriately to one of the ceos of a company i work with okay maybe not let's not be honest i wasn't expecting that you know, I wasn't expecting or walked into the wrong house and inspected a guy and someone was, you know, or, or something like that. Okay, that's great. Um, no. All right, what is, what, on something more serious, what has COVID taught you and what would you do differently in your, in the management of your portfolio? What, what, I think what the trend may be getting at, are you going to do anything different post COVID or are you going to go back to how it has been done historically? through video you can do like your tenancy agreement done remotely not on paper digitally signed you can do like your 360 walkthrough so it's embracing a bit more of that technology going going forward uh how have you handled routine inspections? this is a great question and you have told me this in the past how have you handled routine inspections during the lockdown have you done them uh, yes, I have. I've completed 59 routine inspections. 59, um, 59, 59, 59 routine 59. inspections in what is a yeah. five, five, six For week April. period? For April. So I, I hit a bit more on the list and I chose to do the ones I thought were comfortable to do with some of my tenants. So when the inspection was due to, to be done, I emailed my tenants a list of options of how they can assist me to complete their routine inspection. Now we have to remember these routine inspections that I've done virtually are not inspections where I can see how much dust they've got on their windowsill or I can see what their, or I can sense or smell what their house smells like. They were basically an opportunity for me to again engage with the tenant and also just go through the house with them. And what I offered my tenants is a... um, Hopefully not a photograph. Hopefully not a photograph of you. (laughs) No, no. Not a picture either. But I thought, like I said, I'm a $100 countdown voucher. Really? And I'm due to do the draw a bit later on. Ah, Yeah, yeah. So these are the tenants that help me to complete the inspection. Um, with that, it was amazing because it was like, you know, talking to you like we do now, it was like getting to know the tenants and I'll see the kids. It was actually uh, really good. And going forward, I think um, it, it may become a thing where one routine inspection can be done with the tenants. You know. What, um, yeah. The tenants yeah. like that because yeah. pre-COVID, they get, they get a letter 
Shadi will be at your house from 9 to 5 p.m. So this whole day, there's yeah. four tenants and thinking, okay, when will Shadi arrive? Should I make a cup of tea and make a mess on the bench or should I wait for Shadi? Yeah. With, with this option, it was oh. like... I see so many benefits. Yeah, I see so many benefits where you can get where you can actually like what we're doing now. And if the tech, first of all, the tenant's got to be happy with it. But you think about the the time that you're saving in travel, Um, environmentally, just driving around for an old bloody purpose. Half the time you go in every three months, and it's the same thing. And if a tenant's happy, the key the key to this is whether you know insurance will accept a tenant doing their own inspection but the property manager being there on a virtual capacity you know i i, I think going through every three months i always have done i think it's it's you know yeah. um so, a, you know. now that there is liability on the tenant to pay the excess anyway yeah. if it's their fault so i like we've got to give benefit of the doubt to our tenants and we've got to believe them they, I, yeah. You know, they've got a major issue in the house. They're not going to hide it. There will be the odd number of personal tenants. They will try and get away with things, but not everybody. But that, right? but that I, you'll you'll be able to go and check and do just do your normal routine inspection. It's like giving them the option. And if you think this tenant yeah. fits that, like a, if you've got an executive tenant uh, and you know mm. that, you know, and you, they go through every room... It, it, it can work. Anyway, more questions here. For less experienced property managers who are still learning, can you give me three arrears that you will consider to be able to work smarter? Three uh, areas to uh, areas, three yeah. areas to work smarter. Uh, yeah, three areas to work smarter. Them, yep. One of them is, uh, for me, uh, and it's worked all the time, is stop everything you're doing at four o'clock or four thirty, depending on your hours, and look at what you are doing the next day. Make a, I have a list. I still have a paper diary that I use, and I use Outlook as well. So look at what you're doing tomorrow. If you've got inspections, go and grab those keys. Yeah. If you are meeting a tenant and they are in arrears, print that letter, take it with you for tomorrow. If you've got a viewing print your flyer, take the keys, prepare for the next day is one of my big, big um, tips and it's worked for me so well. Hey guys, you have to remember it's taken me years to master this part of it. The other thing is you've got landlords that will contact you, you've got tenants that will contact you and if you've got 100 tenants, multiply it by two because you've got a minimum of two people in your property. So get your tenants there to direct all their inquiry, all their attention to one area where you can manage it successfully. If I get pulled by my phone, if I get pulled by my messenger, if I get pulled by my email, it's hard to manage all of that. So I tell my tenants, add sign up. When you want to talk to me, if it's urgent, call me, leave a message, I'll call you back. If it's not urgent, then send me an email and I'll get to it. And and for this to be effective, for this to to work, your word has to be your your promise and you have to um, return that call to them as soon as, you know, when when you are available. Otherwise, they will not stick to them. Hmm. The other thing is... um, by come and see me by appointment don't walk into the office just randomly and decide that uh you know it's like i've got nothing to do and i'm waiting for you to arrive it's not like that you need to make an appointment to see me and sometimes they yeah i'm gonna say i'm gonna say now that 
the days of coming in for appointments, look at what we're doing now and how easy it is. It's got to be so much more easier, right? I've allocated you this time via Zoom or whatever platform you were. Yeah. It's got to make life yeah. a hell of a lot easier. Yeah, like I've had, to make this work for me, I've had a tenant at reception and I can hear them and they've walked in and said, oh, we want to see Shadi and I'm there and I know I can just go and see them. But to make it work, I have to, you know, it breaks my heart, but I have to stay, stay strong, Shadi, don't go up, don't go yeah, out. Yeah. And then, you know, I made the appointment with them. But this, this is also for their benefit. I rather sit with them, give them the undivided attention, yeah. talk to them, find out what's wrong, then in passing where they tell you something and you are in a hurry and you don't observe that information. So think, appointments as well, very so important. Do you think as an industry we're too, we're too soft? You know, we're, we're too, when I say too soft, I mean we're too, we're trying to please everybody all the time. We, there's times that we've got to say no. You have to say no. Yeah. You have to say no. Yeah. Uh, you, you have to say no. And that no isn't because you, you know, your ego or whatever. That no is so that you can be of good service. Like, for example, my tenants, when they uh, when they report maintenance, I ring me, I said, could you please send me an email so that I've got it. I've got the date, the time you've reported this maintenance. Because after that phone call, I get 10 other phone calls, I get distracted, I forget about it. The next thing, that tenant doesn't know what I'm going through. And they're thinking, oh, well, I talked to Shadi. She said she'll get the oven fixed, but I haven't heard anything from it. It's not because I don't want to do the, fix the oven or the owner doesn't want to fix the oven. It's because I forgot. Yeah. I'm human. So, the property manager is human. So this is probably, you know, the, probably the last, time, last question we'll have time for, um, which leads into a very good thing because you're saying that human beings, we make mistakes, we forget things, it happens. What areas of property management do you see new technology having the largest benefit uh, or what areas of property management, sorry, do you see technology having the largest benefit to property managers and landlords? So what new technologies can you see being adapted in the future? Uh, probably virtual, virtual, virtual videos, uh, virtual viewing. Um, I mean, the, the ability to for tenants maybe to do self inspections. Uh, the software we yeah. use, I'm not sure if it's got the ability where the tenant can download that on their phone and go through the property whether it directs them or not. So that'll be an area that I think would could. Um, be beneficial, or is it? Does that is that yeah, what you yeah. mean, David? Yeah, I think that's what you mean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got ideas on all types of ideas, particularly around asset mm -hmm. management and tapping into uh, the equity that landlords have got that they may not realise that they've got and being able to to release it. So, I mean, gotta make it's gonna be bloody hard to value a house at the moment or value a business or value anything at the moment because we don't know what 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 the outcome's gonna be. Uh, it, this is great because you know everyone who's joined this is still here. I can see this, so you, you've obviously captivated the audience really, really well, Shardy. I mean, just finishing off now to you. What's the future for you? I mean, you've 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 done a hell of a lot in property management, haven't you? You've you've won the LPMA award. You've won awards in Australia. Um, you know, you've won awards with the professionals group. You've you've sent half naked pictures of you to your boss, which you shouldn't have. What's the future? <laughs> Jobs, so we don't want them getting in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, it's a previous job. Okay, fine, thank you. Yeah, all right. So, yeah. what's the future? Look, once in a while. Uh, 
there, time, there comes a time where I've hit the ceiling with, um, okay, what do I do now? I've got, I've got all the, like you said, I've got all the, you know, humble to have received some awards and uh, I'm doing great in my job. So what do I do next in this job? Where do I want to be next in this job? Um, in four months' time, it'll be five years for the rent shop. And five years ago, Jeff himself asked me that question. Well, they asked me two questions. One of them was they could see the car that I'd driven in from another company. And they were like, does this car go? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it does. And the other question was, "What? where do you see yourself in five years? And I was so honest with Jeff. And I said, look, I don't even know what I'm having for lunch, Jeff. Um, and I, I feel that I am in the same position at the moment i i do want to stay within the industry um maybe i could take over your job one day david you know be a trainer within yeah. the, the shop yeah um because i enjoy i do enjoy what i do and i work for a company where you could sit in any portfolio when a property manager went went away and you know you knew where things were at because of the impeccable procedures and the systems they had in place yeah. and we're, with the wind shop we are growing we're all over the country and i think you know if there was a position as such where i could go in and implement these systems where everything ran and yeah. the discussion all the same so that if i went on holiday you come and sit in my portfolio and you you knew exactly where everything was at I mean, would be yeah uh, so I, I am with the, in, with the industry for with, a few years. We've, we, we asked, I mean, talking with Bindi last week, uh, Bindi Norwell, CEO of the Real Estate Institute, I asked her the question, um, you know, do you do you feel that the, having to deal with COVID and why did it all land on you in such a senior position? And her answer to me was fascinating when she said she, she loved it. I don't think she meant by any stretch of the imagination she was loving the, the outbreak and whatever. She was loving the challenge. How have you adapted with this whole COVID-19? Because I sense that you've kind of really relished, to a degree, it's given you a bit of fight. I mean, how have you found dealing with, with the, the, the whole challenge of, of this? Um, I think for me, um, it, it's been challenging, and that challenge is what I perhaps needed. Um, what it has done, it, it's made me fall in love back with the people I work with with my industry because I it, it made it, it it came to the surface that what I'm doing is important and people rely on me. Yeah. Um it, 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 it was challenging and I welcomed it with open arms and um have survived it. I feel that I've done it it brought out the best in me. It brought out the human part of me of me. It when I used to give my tenant one option to do the inspection, now I've given them seven op- seven different options. So yeah. Okay. Who's in your bubble? In my bubble? Yeah. Uh, Jeff, Wayne, and the two boys. So Wayne's, yeah, Wayne's, yeah. Wayne's your partner. Yeah. He's got to be. He's in for a treat tonight. You're dressed up like that, isn't he? I'm going to have to let you go. I'm going to have to let you go and go to your little ball, and um, you know. But Shadi, thanks so much um, for joining us. Thanks so much for joining us on Wine Time. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on board. Uh, I understand that you know you've got a bit of a, a, a you like a bit of English music, so I kind of to, to see us out. Um, I've got a, a song which I think is is very very you know relevant and appropriate for you because you, you just live life yeah. to the full. Um, thank you so much, Shadi. It's been great having you on board. 
Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for all the viewers, all the people that have tuned in. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, good on you. Yeah.